0: Hello and welcome to a special uh, early signing period edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football Podcast.
1: Josh, can you feel the excitement? My co-host Josh Kendall here. See, you just made me sad when you used the word special because it should be special. <laughs> it used to be special. This should be and has been sort of a high holy day for college football, and now it's just gone. And, you know, it's gone because of the the weird year and the pandemic, et cetera, but it was gone last year. The early mm-hmm. signing day has ruined what – Against all of my better judgment, frankly, was one of my favorite days on the college football calendar. I mean, I'm pretty on brand with my old curmudgeon, don't-like-anything persona, and that's all Mm -hmm. real. That's not a stick. That's me. But I got to admit, I loved old, crazy signing day. It came a month or so after the season. The Super Bowl was over. We just had time to miss football, and we got this just – injection into our veins of college football wackiness at its best and that's gone now and i miss it and i'm sad you've made me sad this morning thank you yeah i've always been a big proponent of
0: kind of the rolling signing day like kids should be able to sign no, whatever they want get rid of that evil <laughs> but i think you know i think in theory the early signing day you know was good for some but in a year like this it's not good for the kids um because you're having to make decisions when universities are still having to make decisions, and you know it's one thing if you you're signing and they make assistant coaching changes after signing day. There's schools that are probably going to make head coaching changes after uh, signing day, and these kids are going to be stuck. It's you're it's out here not talking. You're situation. out here talking
1: about the kids and the group of five teams, though. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about how this affects <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, that's David. fair.
0: <laughs> and and it's, yeah, and it's I, bad. I think
1: there's. There's so many other things going on.
0: I, I, you know, In a normal year, there's usually not games right now. You're usually you know, done with the championship week. The playoffs kind of set. Bulls are looking where they are. But now, especially in a year where you got games, it just feels like um, second fiddle. And then, of course, you know, for the kids who haven't been able to be on campus since um, March in a real way, in terms of real visits, locked in through April 15th, I just feel bad for the people having to sign this year. There's always some pressure to get your spot reserved and do all that, and and when you say, "Hey, hurry up and get your spot reserved," there's a lack of certainty there um, that I would like to have if I was a kid signing. So,
1: and just and, uh, big, and big picture, if we've learned anything from the NBA and the NFL, there's real value in owning the off season. Part of yeah. the increased ri- the, part of the rise of those two leagues, and only part of it has been that they have really figured out how to keep a 12-month conversation, how to make, you know, three months away from the season be just as interesting almost as the season. And college football had that to a degree with the February signing day, and that is gone. I mean, you know, I will forget the old national signing day. I can promise you I will forget it the day before it happens. Somebody will have to remind me, oh, yeah, signing (laughs) day, and that's not good. Yeah, I mean, nothing else was. Ha-
0: you you hit it at the top. Nothing else is happening. There's, you know, the doldrums of your 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 off season in college football are there. Nobody's really doing spring football yet. The season's been over for three some weeks. The the old signing day. I, I don't particularly like the recruiting ecosystem. It doesn't really excite me. But the insanity of of signing day did excite me. The kids. You know, I like the uh, the stunts on signing day. They're entertaining. Sports is supposed to be fun. You know, if you're throwing another school's hat or stepping on another school's shirt, it's supposed to be fun. Uh, and, you know, the craziness of guys committing on TV and then all of a sudden their letter is missing or mama said, oh, I didn't just, like that you're, decision. You're making
1: me sadder I, and sadder. Just this. The I loved this con- all that. I absolutely yes. loved it. The longer this conversation um, because goes I don't particularly care week.
0: where kids go. I don't particularly care what they do, but I hope... That they get to make decisions that they have all the information to make, and I hope that they get to do things that they enjoy and and pursue the opportunities that they want. And along the way, it's usually pretty entertaining. And people are busy this week. We're talking about you know we're nine days away from Christmas. That it's usually about when signing uh, the signing period happens, and and people just aren't as excited about it. And and I I don't think that's ever coming back, especially considering how many people sign. Uh, you know once once the quote-unquote national signing day arrives, there's like, you know, every class is looking for like five guys. So, you know, uh, uh, pour one out for a
1: bygone era, Josh. Uh, We got to move on. We got to move on to another topic. I'm too sad. I can't. Uh, We're we're bringing people down. You're bringing me down. We're bringing people down this morning. Listen, a little
0: depression on your, uh, you know, gray December. uh, That fits in 2020. It's not not bad. It's not bad. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, If you don't subscribe to the show already, you should. You can get all these episodes delivered straight to your device. Got a full week of content here on our podcast. Some fantastic stuff uh, in our podcast. uh, behind our athletic paywall, you can access that at theathletic.com/grids. You got to check out Ari Wasserman's uh, anonymous recruiting survey. Talk to recruiting directors around the country. It was juicy. It was really, really great stuff. Uh, I would imagine. I would. I would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, but Josh, there's football games to be played. But until we do that, Tuesday night, another round of rankings. And, uh, well, they didn't really make sense. I thought our colleague, Nicole Auerbach, had a really good column. You can also read behind the paywall. Just talking about how it seems like the games don't really matter, and Florida seems like a walking example of that. Beyond the whole, you know, how, how coastal and how Louisiana and how Cincinnati and all those schools are being treated, it, it seems crazy to me.
1: The we started this conversation when, when, the, when they bestowed the playoff upon us and threw the crumbs down to us that we'd been begging for so long. We started this conversation with all, everybody wringing their hands about what are the criteria, you know, what really matters, what, how will you decide this. And we figured out pretty quickly there is no criteria, there's no math, so we decided it's an eye test. I'm here to tell you it's not an eye test. My eyes, and lots of other eyes, saw Louisiana thump Iowa State, and Iowa State is now 13 spots ahead of Louisiana, which has lost only one game to an undefeated team, beat Iowa State by 17 points. I mean, at this point, the committee is doing that on purpose just to rub it in people's face, to say that. We are here. We are set up as an organization. We have set this playoff up as an organization to protect our fiefdom of the top five. And that's what we're going to do. This is Iowa State for uh, uh, Iowa State. This is not Oklahoma. This is not even Alabama. This is just we are going to protect a Power Five conference by deciding against the only piece of evidence that we have that they are 13 spots better than a team that they beat by 17. And this goes to Florida, too. Florida fits the brand. Florida is a have. And because you're a have, you get to stay in the halves. And, you know, you can lose as many games as you want. You can throw as many shoes as you want. You're always going to have a chance. If you're Louisiana, you can beat Iowa State by 17, and you still don't have a chance. It's just wild to me.
0: You know, this is an SEC podcast, but it's really it's disappointing that this is the only sport maybe on the planet where you can win all your games, do everything that's asked of you, and you still have zero chance to even compete for a title, much less win it. And that is sad. I, I think, you know, I've written about this in the past. Um, a few years ago, I, I talked to a ton of people around the Group 5 for a story that, you know, when people, they expand the playoff, you go from 2 to 4. It's it's you have more teams in theory. It seemed like well, hey, the group of five they might have a better shot. Somehow it's even harder, and that's because you've got thirteen people in a room and not computers. And I'd be very curious to see what the computers would say about the coastals, the Cincinnati's this
1: year. Um, and and it's it's disappointing. I'm gonna to say credit. The least, the, I'm gonna on, credit this to Mark Richt. I, it's probably not a Mark Richt original idea, but. Uh, I think most of us saw his tweet. Thirty-two teams. Let's bust it wide open. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not here to say let's go to eight. No, let's just go to thirty-two. Play it on the field. This system sucks so bad. I and and this year, I, I I've never gotten real worked up about it until this year, and it's very very frustrating. Blow it up. Play thirty-two teams. You know, the Marriott in Dallas will fill those rooms somehow, they'll get by, and those athletic directors can go back to their day jobs, and we don't have to do this dog and pony show every Tuesday night. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, even when teams
0: do prove themselves on the big stage, you know, we've, how many times do we have to see it? You know, Utah beats Alabama a million years ago, UCF Goes and beats Auburn. Well, Auburn wasn't, you know, they they weren't into it, you know, Josh. It's it's they weren't they weren't excited about it, so it doesn't really count. And sorry, guys, but if you were really in the playoff, you'd have no chance. I don't even necessarily disagree that I some don't these don't have a find chance, out. but they should have a shot, and it's insane that they don't.
1: And I, and I think that you know, it, I, I'm I'm not an alarmist. I don't want to be an alarmist, and I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not. I don't think college football is on the brink. But we have seen, we are seeing the Pac 12 sadly just dissolve as a college football entity, as a player. And the more that this sport becomes consolidated, the weaker it gets, I think. Consolidated Mm -hmm. geographically, consolidated conference wise. It's better for college football if it's a national sport. It used to be a national sport, it's better if more teams are involved. And I think that you know these these Power Five conferences are going to just start you know you know grabbing everything that they can and consolidating everything that they can and piling the money higher and higher. And one day they might turn around and everybody else is kind of gone. Mm-hmm. Well, you know the American likes to call it the Power
0: Six, but uh, if the Pac-12 gets any closer, it might just be the group of six. So we'll see how that goes. Looking at the SEC title game, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on, Josh, which I do, I do, they both I do. Would, have, would approve, is it possible that the committee would like to see this SEC title game look like it is in most years, which is a playoff play in game, which is ridiculous? But if Florida wins this game, the odds of them getting the playoff are, are pretty good, I would say. But, obviously, as we've talked about it, that seems crazy for two reasons. One, Florida has two losses and just lost to a not very good LSU team. And, well, they have to play Alabama. What are you looking for on Saturday?
1: Well, if you circle back around to my, where we started here and you, you, you assume that chaos helps my case or our case, I don't want to call it our case, but you know, I don't want to put that on you. But if chaos helps my case – then I want Florida to beat Alabama. I don't think it's going to happen on this or any universe. But I want to see the committee have to jump through those hoops because they're not keeping Alabama out. They're not keeping a one-loss Alabama out. Then do you have to put Florida in? Florida is not a great football team. I mean, so do you just – I mean, you know, go ahead and put up there on that board Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, and Florida for the Final Four and let's see if we can finally burn this thing down. That's that. That's kind of – that would be where I would be. That would be what I would be rooting for for Florida. But, again, you know, if we're going to circle back and make this a game preview, the Gators got no shot.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I think they can score some points. But even that, you know, Alabama's defense has really shored up. I, I'm not even hundred percent sure they're going to be able to score points. The the fever dream of a of a 59 re, 42 redux, I think,
1: is dead. I, I think Bama wins this game. I just wish. Like, I mean, you know, I don't think it's 55 great. to 20. Yeah, I don't think it's great that there's a 17 point spread in the title game. You know. I, yeah. I, you know. Blame Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I blame Nick Saban for everything, as you know. So I'm. I'm <laughs> so does the rest of the SEC. I'm perfectly happy to put this on the list.
0: Yeah, he catches more blame and more credit than anybody in the sport, and rightfully so. You know, I think I made the comparison earlier, but it really is, it's, you know, the Warriors defined and influenced everything in the NBA, from style to how teams made decisions to everything for like three years. Nick Saban's been doing it for a decade. (laughs) And getting a lot of people jobs and getting a lot of people fired. It's unbelievable how much his presence just looms over, especially the league, but even the sport as well. Uh, Josh, looking down the uh, rest of the SEC, we have not seen teams go ahead. You know, there's been teams that season's over. Your team, God bless you, Josh. Josh. You have had a coaching search and your season is over, and yet... Yeah, your mouth, the to, your, your mouth to God's ears, my season
1: is over. It, Let's <laughs>
0: <don't>, <laughs> Technically not. They have not really said much about what their plans are, and we've seen across the ACC, I think three teams have already said, hey, we're done. Uh, I believe Michigan said they're done. The SEC has not said anything. Um, it seems like, you know, Tennessee's a good test case. I asked her and proved a couple weeks ago. They said they're going to play a bowl... A lot of these other teams have put it up to a a player vote, and it sounds like players have very uh, strongly said that they're not they don't want to play. You know, Nick Rolovich, earlier this week, Washington State's coach, basically said it's it's not a bowl game; it's just another road game. You're not going to have that bowl experience. Um, you know, it sounds like you might have like a sort of a distance dinner event, and then a walk through, and then a game. Bowl and that's fever That's Pretty much what yeah exactly you know there's not going to be the you know trips to battleships or going to the beach or you know doing cool stuff going to disney world that's not going to happen so what do you make of sort of the sec kind of sitting
1: here It, it feels like a it feels like a money move josh it feels like a money move i think it's a bad look i do think it feels like feels and looks a whole lot and smells a whole lot like a money move you know it as we see more and more teams outside the SEC say, "You know what? We've probably had enough. We're really happy we got to this point. Everybody's tired. Our numbers are down. Let's just call it a day." That feels like a very reasonable decision. Meanwhile, Kirby Smart's out here still trying to schedule games into February. I mean, he's not going. <laughs> don't don't tell me we've got an offside. Georgia Tech, where you at? We're gonna Come find. Get some. We're gonna find. A, we're gonna find a football game if we have to do it Friday afternoon. And, you know, I keep waiting for somebody like a South Carolina to say, you know what, we don't need to go to a bowl game. But they're not going to say it. And, you know, coming down the last stretch of the season, we saw Vanderbilt playing with 18 defensive scholarship players. Mm -hmm. And we saw South Carolina go to the final game with an interim head coach and 46 scholarship players. And I asked Mike Bobo after that game, I said, did you feel like you could have gone to the league and said, you know what, we can't do this. And he said, in so many words, no. He said, we've talked to people around the conference, and we knew we were going to be encouraged to play. And it feels a lot like that's what's happening with the bowl games. And, I mean, I don't know that we need to connect these dots. They're like the size of the sun. But, ES, you know, South the SEC just signed a bazillion-dollar contract with ESPN, which broadcasts 33 of these 34 bowl games, which wants those bowl games on the air. And it looks a lot like the SEC is saying, you know what, guys, strap it on. You know, if you're South Carolina, find the 55 guys who can still play. Find whatever coaches you've got left in the building because your new guy is still – out in Oklahoma, finishing up with that crew, and get on a plane, get on a bus, go sit in a hotel, and play in the Gasparilla Bowl, for heaven's sakes. And I don't think that's a bad look. I think it's irresponsible. And, you know, I, I we, we see college administrators talk about you know, this is for the good of the kids. This is all these things that they won't college football to be about, and we see them making decisions that are all about television.
0: Yeah. I think uh, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of quote-unquote player votes deciding on these bowl games. Uh, I think, especially the teams that have had rough years, I think the players, you know, not that they're necessarily checked out, but if you gave them the choice to go play – in Birmingham and go play against you know Memphis or whatever. I'm not sure they're going to be that fired up about that. I think it's saying, "Hey, you can either do that or or don't get too excited, or you can enjoy a regular Christmas somewhat with your family." <laughs> well, guys, I don't know. I uh, that Birmingham offer is uh, is strong. Is Memphis on the board? You know, perhaps Shreveport
1: or, or is that? I think that there. We, I think that do? there are some kids. Some players who want to play. I mean, I, I think that the vote. You're probably right. Would, there certainly are would come I'm sure down against some. it. But at some point, you know, you have to step in as the administrators and say, "Is this the wisest thing to do?" I hope. Again, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I hope we're wrong here, but it feels like this, you know, is limping to the finish line in the service of television. Television, which I will watch. So I am part of the problem. I'm not, you know, you know. You want to point fingers? You can point them right at me too. I understand that, but I don't love it. Yeah. Well, let's get to our uh, Professor
0: Ubin segment of the week, Josh. You've got some. You've got some Auburn thoughts. What do you got
1: for us? I do, and I'm going to wrap this into sort of a real world theory that I've had. You know, so hold, stick with me for a second. I think that there are people in this world, we're probably all guilty of it at some point, where we would see something in a fancy catalog that costs $250 and think, that is cutting edge and awesome. And if we saw the same thing at Walmart for $27, we would think, that's the tackiest thing I've ever seen in the world. I think we're all guilty.
0: I believe you just described the entire Sharper Image business
1: plan. Yeah, so, so the sharper, we'll call it my Sharper Image theory. But I think Auburn is the college football version of this, and God bless. I love Auburn. I, you know, keep doing it your way, Auburn. It's working for you. We can have that discussion another day. We've got a whole off season to fill. But Auburn, you know, people pulling their hair out. How can you pay twenty one million dollars to fire Gus? How could you be thinking about paying eight million dollars to get Mario Cristobal out of a deal after you've paid twenty one million dollars to Gus? I'm here to tell you that's part of the point. Auburn wants to burn money at the altar of its football program because that proves to people outside the building and to themselves this is how much we care about it. We you know you, you don't think you you guys don't value football as much as we do. You would never spend 29 million dollars in contractual <laughs> services to change football coaches from a guy who's pretty good. This is how much we care. Just watch how much money we can burn.
0: Josh, this is the Devontae Smith of takes. Uh, un- unimpeachable, sir. Boom. Unimpeachable. I think there this is A-plus work. You're definitely right. I, I've wondered about this too. You know, there's a there's a there's a keeping up with the Joneses aspect. You know, even, even South Carolina, what, what did they end up with on on, uh, on Shane Beamer? 2.75?
1: 2.75, and they'll spend a lot more on coordinators.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you said to him, hey, you can be our head coach, but we're only going to pay you 1.75, you think he says no? Nope. Exactly. And every school feels like they have to pay a coach this much, even Tennessee. You know, Jeremy Pruitt wanted to be a head coach. Uh, he wanted a big job. You want to pay 3.8 just to say that you can pay 3.8. You know, if he would offer him, you know, less, he's probably still going to take that job. Tennessee's a great job, and you can say, hey, maybe you put a a ton of incentives in his contract, but schools feel like they have to pay X amount for a coach. Otherwise, well, we're going to be the laughing stock of the league or so and so. They want to pay market value for big, big exclamation point SEC head coach because. You know, it's like that thing that, you know, well, whatever. Well, I'm the I'm the boss, or I'm the president, so anything I do is presidential or whatever. But it's like you know, whatever it is, if, you, if this is what an SEC head coach would do, I'm an SEC head coach, so and so, because that 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 sort of just makes it so. It's not a bug; but, it's a feature. Yeah, exactly. And you know, SEC head coaching jobs are very good jobs, and people would take them especially if you're uh, you know, a guy that's a coordinator that wants to be a, uh, or you're making a huge leap. But teams seem to want to pay market price and not market value um, for their head coaches, and then they get themselves into spots where they've taken chances on people and it ends up costing them you know, eight digits later. Um, I-, I thought this is ridiculous for a long time, that guys that you know would take the job um, and you still want to pay them what
1: the average coach in the SEC is paying. But I, I hope we can all agree that, God bless Auburn, that they have taken this out and run with it by a mile, though. hmm You know, we under, this is Auburn, Alabama. This, you know, they have created a nationally relevant football program against all odds, and this is part of their system, and they're going to keep on doing it. You know, I I, I think that, you know, They were lined up to pay Gus $21 million. We should have started our app when we talked about it at the beginning of the season. We could have gotten in on some of that. opportunity on our Yeah. We could have gotten in on some of that money. I just think that Auburn wants to – it's hard for the real world to understand, but it goes kind of back to what you're saying. Auburn wants to spend all this money. Auburn's going to overpay. Auburn's going to end up hiring Kevin Steele and paying him $7.5 million a year. That's called the haagen principle. Uh, it's not necessarily
0: better, but it's going to be expensive. It's the Auburn way. <laughs> well, that sounds like the end of our show. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. Again, Josh Kendall, my co-host. Bring in the heat, as always. Uh, thank you, guys, for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, if you're not already, you should do that and get our show delivered directly to your device from whatever podcast purveyor you choose, and, of course... If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, you should change that. Theathletic.com slash grits. we got a great buy one, get one free deal. Um, if you aren't a subscriber, you can be a subscriber and give it to your friend, your dad, your colleague, your boss, whatever. Again, if you're worried about putting that under the tree, it's probably a fair concern, but you'll figure that out. Leave them a note or something like that. Thank you for listening. For my co-host, Josh Kendall, I am David Ubbin. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Myself and Mitch Light will be back talking more SEC. Thanks again.